hospitality industry has been hit hard by the pandemic and many have lost their jobs. Welcome to Don't Look Under the Bed, a podcast for hospitality professionals by hospitality professionals. Your hosts, Nikki and Robin, will shine a light on the industry that we have dedicated our careers to and elevate the voices of colleagues and industry leaders. Don't Look Under the Bed podcast seeks to inspire and encourage as the industry continues on the road to recovery. Thank you for joining us on Don't Look Under the Bed. Today, we shine our spotlight on a industry expert. She's a franchise owner and executive hospitality recruiter for Gecko Hospitality. We are delighted to welcome Megan Applegate. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're so busy and um, I really, really do appreciate you taking time to speak with us. Um, It's a critical time in our industry right now. And I think that having a uh, a recruiting expert available and to just give us some insight of what's going on in the market is very important. So with that, let's start with your hospitality journey as you've got a robust background. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was a hospitality industry um, veteran for almost 20 years before I left. Um, I got a hospitality degree way back in the day. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I stuck with it for a long time. My journey really kind of started um, in Florida where I spent about 15 years down there. Going through the ranks with some really large resorts and um, hotels up and down the East Coast, mainly in the sales and catering Um, side of what hotels are usually you're kind of either operations and food and beverage or you're more kind of on the sales side Um, I took the the sales route which kind of serves me well now um, with what I do with recruiting Um, but I did that for about 15 years got to a level of director catering for a fairly large resort um, in South Florida and then Changed slightly, um, had my, we had our son down there in the Miami area. And at that point he got to be about three and we decided to move out of Florida into back a little bit for closer to where I'm from originally in Michigan. Um, couldn't back, go back to the snow, but we, we landed in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and I continued my journey there at a really large Hilton, um, 400 rooms director of catering, big box type of hotel. And we, my husband also um, is in food and beverage and hotels. So he was a food and beverage director. That's kind of how we met. Um, and so I did that for about another five years. And then actually somebody recruited me to change up a little bit about what I was doing. And at that time, I got to that point where I think we all feel, you know, where you Hit the, hit the end and get burnt out and just feel like you're doing it in your, in your sleep. So I changed directions and um, went to Compass Group, which is a fairly large, well-known um, corporate kind of food service industry provider um, that, that headquartered out of Charlotte. And I decided to do that um, from a national level. It was quite a large step up for me um, in my career. And then about seven months in, um, realized that was not at all what I wanted to do, which I think, you know, is 
true for a lot of people that get to that level of, you know, you dangle that carrot in front of you and you take, take that leap. Um, but I'm not, not mad that I did it. It was a great learning experience. It showed me what I, what I had, what was really great about what I was doing. Um, what I, what I learned, I didn't like. Um, and from there, I still kind of struggled with that in between. What do I do? Um, mentality of, do I get out of hotel still? Do I go back? You know, I just left it. Did I left it for a reason? Um, what do I want to do? And I got lucky and an opportunity um, to get into recruiting um, fell into my lap. So with Gecko, it's kind of um, how they are. They're a uh, franchise based. So we were lucky enough to have an opportunity to jump into the hospitality division with Gecko um, and own starting with North Carolina, that, that division within hospitality. So my husband and I decided to take the leap two years ago um, and changed my life. And, you know, I work from home and, you know, have a lot more time with my, my 10 year old. Um, my husband's doing it with me as well um, from kind of COVID spun what came out of COVID last year, right, right. changed what he was doing also got let go um, from a, you know, big food and beverage director type of role. And now the two of us are running this business um, and can't say it's been all highs, but it's definitely um, been a great challenge. And what, you know, now I, I absolutely love to do. And it helps me stay in hospitality in a certain um, way as well, which is truly where my passion and my heart is. That's excellent. So that also having that experience and that background in sales and catering gives you an extra, um, what I want to say, an extra foothold on what you're looking for as you're interviewing candidates and things like that. So my next question is, what's the candidate pool like right now um, in the markets that you currently serve? Um, it really depends. I think that there's a lot of people um Everyone has the, the impression that it's a super heavy candidate market. And in, in all degrees, if you look at it, it really is. But at the same time, you know, people are, are scared. Um, they're scared of our industry. And, and the biggest thing I hear right now is they want, they're looking for job security. And because some people were forced to kind of, you know, leave the industry because they couldn't find work, we're finding that people are, you know, either wanting to stay steady, stay in the industry and hold, or they're jumping ship and leaving and going to other industries. Real estate is a big one that I'm seeing um, that people are going to, or, you know, insurance or really anything um, that, you know, luckily for us, the hospitality, you've got some really great transferable skills mm -hmm. sets and things like that. Um, but the candidate pool is, is a little bit more scarce than I think what people really think that it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to say that there's not can there's not competition there, but um, even in my experience right now, it's hard to find people because either they have still they're still employed, which is a great thing, but then they're scared about leaving and they're scared about you know if I leave then I'm not. I might put myself in a position then if this doesn't get better to lose my job. And so yeah. it's that job security that we're finding, or like I said before, it's that people are not willing to like 
come back to hospitality. They're saying to us, you know what, I've left, I had no choice. And now at this point, it's, you know, I'm, it's not enough for, to make me come back. So um, there, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag of, of emotions of where people are wanting to be. You have those diehards, I'd say like myself that have been in it for so long that are willing to like, you know, stick with it and stick by it. And then those that just, you know, they haven't been in it long enough mm-hmm. and then they're just scared. So not to say that there's not competition because clearly, you know, our industry has taken a huge hit, but um, in general, it's, it's there, it's harder than, than you think. Um, there's people yeah. that are, that are really trying to find their way now and make those kinds of decisions of, of what to do, um, especially being so remote. And that's not also likely in our industry. People are looking for remote positions. And to be honest with you, that doesn't always exist in hospitality. I mean, beyond hotels, restaurants, I mean, you just can't work remotely unless you get lucky and find a sales position that, you know, you can do that. But, um, and there are some brands like Marriott that really is kind of moving to that kind of mold and model of how that they do, you know, their system. But in general, it's not something that our industry takes, you know, to heart, like you have to be in the operation, and a lot of people are still pretty scared to do that. Um, I am one of those that um, I'm. I'm going to stick with it until I find something. I mean, right. I've been 30 plus for me, and I'm still looking every day. And I'm going to remain optimistic. We had two really big hospitality stories this week. Um, the one with Hilton offering um, their uh, event attendees Mm -hmm. the option to have testing and resources and things like that so that's big and also um marriott's also doing um will pay associates a half a day pay uh when they're completely vaccinated so i think with some of the progress that's being made people are coming back like i'm here in texas and so we're open now which means they're going to need to be hiring more people in the restaurants and things like that so I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to remain hopeful. I've seen lots of articles about um, pivoting and changing industries. And I'm like, well, this is what I enjoy doing. This is what I want to do. And, you know, I'll do whatever I need to do to get a job to feed my family, obviously. But I am hopeful that the hospitality industry is uh, on the recovery side. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. It will. I yeah. really do believe that it will. It's just a matter of, you know, I think those who've been in it long enough, like us, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, veterans kind of have that mentality because this is not the first time that that, that this has happened to us, exactly. right? I mean, you know, maybe not to this degree, but it happens 10 to 12 years ago. Um, and so you'll find that there are a lot of diehard people that still want to stick around. And because they, they understand that it it's, cyclical, right? Like it will come back if you can just be patient and, and find the kind of that holding pattern. And what can I do in the interim to just stick with it? Because they're very passionate about it. Right. I follow you on LinkedIn and you give such great tips. Um, I, you know, it's so helpful. And when I read the statistic about the 10 seconds it takes for you to take a look at a resume. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I was like, okay, 
Well, right. Yeah. That's a tip. And so give us your, like in a nutshell, your top sure. three. Okay. Tips. Um, well, I think the resume piece is one big one for me. And to be honest with you, I didn't understand this until I started doing it myself. And I was like, you know, how in the world would you really, you know, sum somebody's experience up in 10 seconds, but it is true. Um, when you are looking at resumes, you know, one after the other from people all day long, it's very, very easy. You learn how to skim them um, and scan over exactly what you're looking for. So I think number one um, would definitely be if you haven't already bring your resume up to date. Um, there's a lot of resources that you can use Gone are the days where they need to be super lengthy. Um, I always tell people a page to two um, at most. And if you are somebody like us that's been in the industry a long time and you truly want to show all of it, um, take the last 10 years and really kind of hone in on those bullet points are huge. Don't write paragraphs. No one has time to read the paragraph. So what we're looking for is to really see what you've done in your positions to help the company. I mean, job descriptions are one thing, um, but if you can kind of say, I helped grow revenue by 50% from two years, or I've cut costs, anything like that is what's going to catch our eye. Um, so if you can kind of go back and kind of figure out or moving forward, even kind of, I always say, keep like a little journal of your accomplishments because that helps you when you're having to update resumes, not, you know, be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to remember five years ago what I did? Um, but take the last 10 years and then anything before that can be like a one-liner. So it can be, I was at the Hilton director of catering in Fairfax, Virginia from 2010 to 2008 or whatever it may be. And that way it kind of still shows your relevant history, but you don't have to be long-winded with, you know, three plus pages. Um, so resume, there's lots of tools and ways to update your resume. If you're using just an Indeed one, I definitely say personalize. Um, don't be afraid to personalize. I mean, it doesn't need to be a rainbow, but don't be afraid to use some things that show your personality because I love to see that in resumes. Um, I always don't, I don't like to necessarily see people's pictures because again, unfortunately, I think that just encourages the age um, bias, which I just, you know, it's, we try and say we, we don't do that, but it's, it's unfortunately some people still have it, even though they don't want to, they still do. So don't put your picture on there, but um, focus on making that resume, you know, super clean and crisp, easy to read um, and, and get it out there. So I would say that would be number one. Um, number two would be to, to keep and continue to network and to stay active. I think for a lot of people, when you lose a job or you get furloughed and you're being pulled along and you have no control, it's really easy to kind of curl up into a ball and stay a little hidden, um, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of did the same thing the first couple of months, you know, when this happened last year, just kind of be like sitting back, taking it in. It's, it's super nerve wracking and scary, but what what hiring managers are looking for is people that have done something with themselves during this time. I think that there's a very much, you know, an acceptable kind of thing where if I look at somebody's resume or I'm talking to a candidate for any reason, you know, it's understandable. If you haven't worked in six to eight months, it's not a negative. It's what have you done to stay relevant? Have you taken any classes? 
Have you been volunteering? Have you, or at least been going out and, you know, trying to network or been doing anything you can to kind of stay relevant? Because I think that is going to be a leg up from those of the competition that have just sat back and done nothing. So I would say, you know, that would be huge. My number two. Um, and then I think the other big thing for me is, along the lines of that is making sure that you're um, visible. And a great way to do that would be on LinkedIn, especially coming from a recruiter side. I, can't, I don't know you're there unless I can find you. Yeah. Um, so making sure your LinkedIn profile is up to date. Um, you've got your picture. It's a good picture. Everything's filled out. You, if you are open to work, you know, say so. Uh, I don't think there's any shame in saying you're open to work. LinkedIn makes it super easy to find you, even if you have a job um, and want to be open and available to somebody like myself to find you for advancement. There's a way to do that on LinkedIn. Um, it's pretty simple. And there's a whole other platform that a lot of people don't know about called LinkedIn Recruiter that, you know, you're we pay a lot of money to utilize, um, but your boss is not going to see you on there if you're open to work. That's how we do the, the, the research and the recruiting um, is, you know, it's, it's not the free version that everybody has. It's somebody like me that's a recruiter that pays money, you know, and will tell us who's open, who's not, who's more responsive, you know, and we can talk to you. Um, and, and if you are, open to work, but have a job and don't want necessarily to blast it to everybody, you can still be open on that side and not have everybody in the world in your network and your boss know that. So I would say that's another great thing about LinkedIn. Um, you've got to be found, be able to be found and connect with people like myself. Mm-hmm. That is excellent. I never knew that that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about for those that are fortunate enough to advance to the next step, um, what was what made them different or stand out? Um, when you, you say know, next step, you mean like in an interview? Yes, yeah. So okay. you, you start recruiting someone or you look at their resume, they've passed sure. the 10 second rule. Yeah. They've got all the, <laughs> they've got all the, you know, the, the bullet points and everything. Sure. Um, what, what makes them uh, I think um, if you've got the skills, I mean, if you, as a recruiter, I mean, when we work with clients, um, they tell us very specific parameters to look for. And, you know, I think that is another thing that I kind of had to learn the hard way is that I want to help everybody, you know, but if, if you are not kind of in the, the, I guess, the lines of what they gave us to look for, um, it's, you know, it's a hard sell for me. But if I do find somebody that does fit the bill and and is kind of like that perfect profile, um, the enthusiasm and the preparedness is probably the biggest thing. It seems simple, um, but when I tell everybody when, you know, if I can get them in front of a client, and can get them, you know, an interview. I think the biggest thing for people is to treat it like it is the most important thing in your day. Like if you kind of think, oh, it's just, yeah, I know no one likes to interview. It's nerve wracking. It's hard. Um, you know, 
I can't say I've met anyone that's like, yes, I've got it. You know, I, it's like my, my thing is hard. It, you know, like it makes me sweat, but, um, I think what can help that is being extremely prepared for what you're doing. Do your homework, do your research, show up on time, be like overly enthusiastic because there is so much competition in what we're doing right now um, in hospitality with people out of work. It is hard to get noticed. It's hard to stand out when everyone has the same credentials mm -hmm. that you do. I think, you know, being um, enthusiastic is huge. Being present is huge. And doing the small things like sending a handwritten thank you note to an, an employer. It's those kinds of things you have to go the next step and the extra mile to stand out. Mm -hmm. Know who you're interviewing with. Use LinkedIn. Do the, your research. Is there anything that you can find out about that person that you can kind of form a, a connection, yeah. you know, beyond it, right? Like, did you, do you happen to have any um, colleagues that are, um, the same? Did you go to the same college? Are you, did you work in the same um, Marriott? I mean, there's so many different things you can find that those kinds of things, when you can surprise your interviewer is, is huge. And I would say, you know, find those ways to stand out is going to be a huge step um, up from your competition. Yeah. It's just it's like just in right. sales, right? Uh, building rapport. Right. Yes. You know, going in somebody's it's, it's office. It's the relationship building. Yeah. Exactly. You gotta find a, re a way to be um, memorable. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's excellent. Talk about um, your recent release of the uh, market salary and trends report. Can you speak to sure. that a little bit? Sure, that is something um, that Gecko Hospitality as a whole does. Uh, I don't believe we did it last year for, you know, or the year before for some reasons, um, but that is something that we capture um, based on all the data, you know, in the that we have as a company, there's 42 different hospitality partners, um, and the data comes from, you know, the candidates and the clients that we're hiring. So it's not a be all end all. It's kind of a, our way of saying this is why we're experts in our, you know, in our, in our industry in hospitality. Um, I think that all in all, uh, I think it's pretty accurate. From, from what I can see, I mean, obviously it's a national survey, so every market's gonna be a little bit different. Um, I can tell you one thing that stuck out to me is the diversity in uh, women versus men in mm -hmm. the money that sometimes yeah, salary, salary. Yes, yes. And I think that when we look at, you know, especially from last year and the big push on diversity, um, in inequality, in hiring specifically, especially in our industry, uh, we as women have to kind of push that um, and make that a better, you know, and, and not sit back and say that that's okay, because it's understandable in some roles. If you look at, you know, I think it was director of sales or the sales side of hotels, that's predominantly women driven. And I guess you could say that from the operational side too, um, there's definitely more men that kind of are GMs, but um, I think that, you know, that says a lot and, and that we have a long ways to go still in terms of, of you know, making sure that our pay is equal. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. That's great. So I have uh, one last question. Okay. And, you know, like I said, I follow you on LinkedIn and I see, you know, all of your engagement and you have so much information on your page and everything, but what is the most common um, question that you get, that you get asked? Um, common question that I get asked um probably the most common question I get asked I mean people are constantly connecting with me you know in hopes that I can find them a job I think that the biggest response I can give to people is that you have to like I said stay relevant networking is huge you know use your profile to connect with people. I can't help everybody. Like I said, I wish that I could. Um, but there's always, you can tell that people are starting to, you know, hire more and more. You can tell if you're just active on LinkedIn, that there's people that are like, you know, not necessarily just recruiters, but companies that are opening up. I think that making sure that you are relevant and making sure that you are networking, that you're connecting with people in your own, you know, in not industry, we're talking hospitality, but your, your market, where are you? Um, finding other recruiters in that area, reaching out to human resource directors, anybody that you can, finding a mentor, just staying super present at all times is what my advice would be to people. That's awesome. Thank you so much again, Megan. I You're appreciate welcome. your time today. Absolutely. I'll continue to follow you and uh, hope you have a great day. And I look forward to uh, this place opening back up and let's get this right. back on the road. Let's get to work. Thank you yes. again for having me, Robin. I appreciate it. Thank you so much again. Mm -hmm. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Don't Look Under the Bed podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and tell a friend. We also encourage you to share your stories at stories at don'tlookunderthebed.org.